I can remember when I was just a wee little lad, a wee little lad was I, back in the 70s, uh, for those of you that remember that, some of you don't even remember the 70s, it was just a decade that you have no idea because some of you smoke those funny little things. But anyways, um, this was like just at the end of the Vietnam era, and there was a song out, and the song was called Signs, and it was by a band Uh, They were called the Five-Man Electrical Band. Anybody remember the Five-Man Electrical Band? Three of you rockers out there. Okay. Um, What was interesting about this, some of you may have had this particular song called Signs. Maybe you had it on on a 45. Some of you may wonder, what's a 45? Well, it's a a tiny record. Some of you may be asking, "What's what's a record? Okay, just forget about it. If you don't know what that is, it's just forget about it. Um, uh, but it was, a, it was a popular song during the uh, Vietnam era at the end of the, the Vietnam War, and it was just basically kind of a rebellious song against government. Let me just read you some of the, the lyrics. It said, And the sign said, Long-haired, freaky people need not apply. So I tucked my hair up under my hat, and I went in to ask him why. And he said, you look like a fine, upstanding young man. I think you'll do. So I took off my hat, and I said, imagine that, ha, me working for you. Signs, signs, everywhere, signs. Remember that? Now you get it, right? Uh, Blocking out the scenery break in my mind, do this, don't do that, can't you read the signs? How remember that song now? It's coming, see? I had to sing it for you, all right. So, you say, what in the world does this have to do with the Ten Commandments, Pastor? I just wanted to sing that, sign, that song because I think it's just a rocking song. Um, but that song t- talked about all the signs that they were to obey and not obey, do this, don't do that, can't you read the signs? And, and I got thinking about that song because is that, is that all the commandments are about? Is it just another sign telling you what you can't do? And, and, I, and I think some of us here today, depending on whether or not you grew up in the church or not, or this is your first time here, or the reason why you didn't want to come back to church, is for all the rules I don't need another rule in my life. I don't want another thing to make me feel guilty about my life. And sometimes we look at Christianity that way, and I think we can get numb to God because we think it's so hard to follow because it's a bunch of rules, a bunch of signs that can become meaningless to us. So we end up giving up. And and I think we can look at the Ten Commandments, and we've looked at this over the past couple of months, that we can't look at the Ten Commandments as just a bunch of rules that we have to obey. And if I obey most of them, then I get a passing grade. And if I get a passing grade, then I can go to heaven. See, the bottom line about the commandments of God is we can't keep them. We're all miserable failures when it comes to the commandments. Even the Ten Commandments, none of us in this place, I mean, there's 613 commandments. You've broken one, you broke them all. And then the Ten Commandments are a summary of all the uh, you know, 613 commandments, and then we've broken one out of the 10, right? So you broke them all and you've fallen short of God's glory. Then Jesus boils down the 10 commandments to two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and mind, and then to love your neighbors yourself, and we've broken them. We can't even get two right. Can I get an amen? 
All right? So, listen, I, we, we, I think we can look at Christianity as just like, I'm going to give up because I just feel like an instant failure because, you know, I haven't loved God at many times like I should. And definitely, I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. In fact, this morning driving to church, I got mad at somebody or I was mad at my spouse or I was mad at somebody or I was mad yesterday and I, and I blew it yesterday. And, and I think we can get to the point where we said, just, I'm going to give up. It's just not worth it. So here's what I want you to, to, to understand is that God has given us these commandments not to see how many you can break so that you can see that you're an instant failure because, because there's no way we can ever, ever please God fully by trying to obey all 613 commandments or obey all 10 or even obey two of them. And, and, and it, how many of you know that if you're a law-abiding citizen, you, if, if you're living for the Lord, you want to obey the law, right? You, you want to do what's right. You want to obey the law and you want to be a good citizen. But how many you know there are laws that, that you break that you don't even know? Did you know that? There are laws that some of you break all the time that you don't even know that you're breaking. Let me just give you a couple true laws on the books in New York State that every single one of you have broken at one time or another. Here's one law. Well, I'm not kidding about these things, by the way, so this is true. Well, ride in an elevator, no one person must talk. You cannot talk while riding in an elevator, and you must fold your hands while looking forward at the door. It's a law, not lying. Here's another law. I, I don't think any of you have ever knew this. Do you realize that slippers are not to be worn after 10 p.m.? Not kidding, that's... It's a law in New York State. Slippers are not to be worn after 10 p.m. I, I think they need to make a new law because some of you out there, I don't know what you're thinking about. I'm in the grocery store and I see people slopping around in their slippers in the grocery store. And they should make a law. You can't wear your slippers outside your house. And people are slopping around in their slippers. That's nasty, by the way. Do you realize that? That's just nasty nasty walk and then you walk in your house you slip and you're walking around Wegmans in your slippers get a pair of shoes all right something so amen <laughs> people are with me now all right you know I can just see the slipper police running around people's house have you got your slippers on it's 1001 please come with me you're arrested for wearing your slippers at 1001 okay so if you want to be part of the slipper police go right ahead so there are laws we break that we don't know and and many times we break laws of God that we don't know. So here's the thing. We're all instant failures when it comes to this. But here's the, good, here's the whole good news, this whole thing, to relieve you, to take some guilt and condemnation off your life as you're looking at Christianity. Here's the good news. Jesus did everything for us that we could not do on our own. It's the good news. That's the good news. He fulfilled all of the law and what it required. We can't gain God's favor through our goodness. It's absolutely impossible to do that. Through Christ and his righteousness, we can find forgiveness and be made whole again. So why are the commandments so important? Let's not look at the commandments of these rules and signs that we have to obey. Or just, and we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and the neighbors to be better than them, to be a better Christian. Each and every day, I'm going to add another thing to my life to try to be the best Christian I can and just add more guilt when you screw up and you make, make mistakes in your lives. Listen, Jesus did everything for you. He fulfilled everything. You've got to find your life in Christ and find your forgiveness in him because he is perfect. And through Christ, we can find a righteousness that's not of our own and we can be pleasing before the Lord. So what are the, why are the commandments so important? The reason why the commandments are so important is because they deal with relationships. 
That's really what what the undercurrent theme of the commandments are. It's about relationships. It's about our relationship ultimately with God, the first four and the last six, are ultimately our relationship with one another. Not just cold, rigid do's and don'ts. It's something so much deeper. The commandments are not given to us just to show us how right God is and how wrong we are. They're given to us to allow us to live in right relationship with Him and a right relationship with others. So if we look at the commandments that way, we're going to have a right, it's all about relationship. It's not just this, some, listen, we've got to stop thinking this way that I've got to live exactly by the letter of the law. And sometimes we live by the letter of the law so rigidly that we run over relationships. That we know what the truth is, but then we don't balance it with grace and love. Can I get an amen? Because that was a good glory spot right there, okay? Hallelujah. Listen, there's got to be a balance here. And I know we've got the truth, and I know the Word of God's the truth, but if it's, not, if, it's not, uh, if it's not encompassed in God's love and His grace, and it just becomes a bunch of rigid rules and regulations that nobody cares about, and it just breaks relationships. So yes, we live by the truth of God's Word, but also we've got to learn how to have grace towards one another. Do you realize that God deals with you not in the way your sins deserve? Do you realize that God is patient with you, waiting for you to come to repentance? Do you believe that, that while you were still a sinner, God demonstrates his love for you by sending his son to die for you? But yet someone cuts me off in the road and they don't deserve forgiveness. Someone hurts my feelings and someone says something towards me and my character, right? And they don't deserve forgiveness. Do, do you see where the balance is there? See, if people, listen, if we don't get this right, we're not going to have a balanced church. We're not going to have a balanced life. And, and we're going to look at Christianity as a rigid rules and regulations, and you're going to live a pretty miserable Christian life, and that's not what God has in plan for you and I. He wants there to be joy and forgiveness and reconciliation to flow, just as Christ forgave you. You know, some of you listen to me. Listen. Some of you need to go back to the day of your salvation when you felt the flood of God's forgiveness and grace sweep over your life when you never deserved it. Remember that? Remember that day when you came to the Lord and you humbled yourself before Him and you realized that you messed up, it was your fault, that you were a sinner, and you fell before God's grace and mercy, and you felt Christ lift you up in the, in the, in the flood of His grace and mercy that swept over your life that caused you to become born again. You were flying on cloud nine, Right? And it wasn't until you met a legalistic Christian that popped your balloon, right? That said, hey, wait a minute, long hair freaky people need not apply, right? You, you, you got to do this, that, you got to cut your hair, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, where's the grace? Where's the fr- Now I got to do this, that, and the other now, to, right? Remember that? Some of you may have felt, felt and you're like, what happened? It's because somewhere down the line we get saved by grace and we stop living by grace. We understand what it means to be saved by God's grace, but then we start walking in our Christian walk. All of a sudden, we go back to the laws and this and that and the other that sucks the joy out of our relationship with God. The commandments are all about relationships. So what I want to look at is, I'm going to look at this ninth commandment. And um, in Exodus 20, 16, as... As we see the commandments given to the children of Israel, Moses is given these commandments on Mount Sinai and they're traveling through the wilderness. 
What God says to Moses here in these commandments, in this ninth one, he says, you shall not, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So what, what in the world does this commandment mean? Well, what's behind this commandment is this would be in the context of a legal trial where someone would make a false allegation and gain advantage at the expense of someone else. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, why is this so abhorrent to the Lord? Why did this make the top 10? You know, why is bearing, I mean, really big, really that, that one, just bearing false witness against somebody. People do that every day. What's, what's the big deal? Why is this so abhorrent to the Lord? Uh, for this reason, the reason why this bothers the Lord so much is because it goes against a person's character. And God wanted us to value each other so much that he says, be careful what you say to one another. See, Proverbs says, these are the things the Lord hates. Proverbs 6.19 says, a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among his brothers. This is what the Lord hates. This is what the Lord despises is a false witness, someone who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among the brothers. So what's the problem here? Well, last week we talked about you shouldn't steal. And the reason why we said this is because you rob from someone, you devalue them, you deplete from them. You're not honoring them. You can, and we talked about, it's not so much shoplifting or, 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 or stealing money, you know, that, that we're not supposed to take. It's more than that. We talked about it's, it could be stealing time from your employer. It could be robbing time from your spouse or robbing them of a relationship that you should have with them. You see the bottom line, you're taking advantage of that relationship or you're taking advantage of your employer. You're not giving, but you're taking. It's no different from this command. What you're doing here is, and the reason why this was so abhorrent to the Lord is that you're robbing or taking from someone's character. In fact, this is even worse. You say, well, pastor, how's that even worse when you rob from someone's character than actually robbing some physical property from someone else. You see, when you rob someone of their stuff, it's just stuff, right? But when you rob someone of their character, how many you know character is a very difficult thing to restore? That's a very difficult thing to restore. See, words hurt. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's the dumbest saying in the whole world. How many you know that words hurt? See, somebody can take something on my property, but I can, I can get that back, insurance or whatever, and I can restore that. But when someone says something against my character, that hurts. Um, when you stub your toe, that hurts for a moment. But when someone says something hurtful, it can sting for years. Can I get an amen? We know what that's like. As a, as a child... Barton Jure says, a wee little a lad, a, a wee little lad was I at one year. Um, I can remember kids making fun of my name. And, and I remember there's this one kid uh, that made up this rhyme about Barton Jure. And this is what he would say. He would say, Barton Jure is a disgrace to the human race. And everybody would laugh. It's not funny, okay? <laughs> and I can remember being in third or fourth grade and him walking, hey, Barton Jure, there he comes. Barnjurace is a disgrace to the human race until I punched him in the face and he stopped saying it. No, I'm just teasing. Um, but I can remember, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember all the bumps and the bruises that happened in my life because when I was a kid, you didn't wear a helmet. There was no helmet laws. Can I get an amen? You, 
when my parents put me in the back seat of the station wagon, they would just throw me in the back. Have fun, Bart. Here you go. Whoosh. There's no seatbelts. There's no helmets. You know, now it's like, you know, you see kids wearing helmets in their car. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. You know, you just, you know, you see in the back, what is that kid got a helmet riding in the car? Um, so, you know, it was, it was a different era back then. I don't remember all the, because probably I don't remember because I wasn't wearing a helmet. But anyways, I, I don't remember all the stuff going on when I was a kid. But I can remember that kid making up that rhyme about my name. You see, today... It's even worse because now through social media, blogging, Facebook, texting, email, you can rant and rage about anything. The latest trend is cyberbullying. And any of you parents uh, may have known about this or have been privy to this, and you know this is very hard, especially with children. I can remember we did a missions trip in England in the late 90s and spoke in schools. We asked the schools as we would speak share testimonies, we said, what is, the, what is the main thing that you want us to talk about? What, what is the one topic that you really want us to deal with? And the number one topic was bullying. They said, bullying is such a problem in our schools, and it's a huge problem in the schools today. There was a survey that was done on why young people resorted to cyberbullying. The overwhelming answer, 81%, said this, because they liked it and they thought it was funny. But how many know when you're the victim of that, it's not very, very funny? And you see, that's why I believe this commandment is listed in the top 10, because I want you to realize our words have meaning. Our words hurt. And we have to guard our heart in this area, because really what this commandment is about, yeah, it's about saying falsehood against a witness and being a witness and saying a falsehood. But really, this commandment really is about our words and guarding our heart and not and guarding our heart against the character of someone else. So, so I want you to look at a couple of things here of why this is so important, give you a couple of scriptures here. The reason why I believe this commandment is so important is, one reason is because we will be held accountable for our words. Don't think that you won't be held accountable for your words. You will be held accountable for your words. What, what, what this command reflects is this one thought. We need to be accountable for our words because words have weight. They have meaning. They, they hurt. James talks about this in James 3, verses 5 through 10, when James says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members and staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and even set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile, sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus' words here in verses 36 and through 37. Jesus tells you, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will get, give an account for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned so we're going to be held accountable for our words so 
that I hope that bothers us a little bit. Like, mm, man, I better be careful that this bothers me and, and what I say and, and how careful I am with the words that I choose. The second thing I want you to see here that not only are we going to be accountable for our words, but also it grieves the Spirit of God. The words we use, and if they're not done correctly, grieves the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.25, Paul says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He goes on in that same uh, couple verses down in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, Let no corruption, no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now notice the words Paul uses. He uses the words building up. He uses the words give grace. He uses the words to be kind, to be tenderhearted, to be forgiving. He says, use words that build up, that do not tear down. The question is, how do we honor God and others with our words? Well, I have three resolves that I want to give you this morning. I'm, as I speak them to you, I'm speaking them to myself because these are resolves that I have made in my life because I think they're important to do in our lives because here's what they're going to do. Now, not only will they protect your relationship to God that will keep you accountable before God and make sure your words are correct before the Lord, but also it's going to help us to establish our relationships with one another correctly before the Lord so that God is honored and that God is not dishonored in our relationships. Because if truly, if we want Christ to be glorified in our life, what a better way than how he's glorified in our relationships with one another. What a better way than if Christ has forgiven me, how I can offer that forgiveness and grace to others in the name of Jesus and how he forgave me. So I want to give you three resolves here on how to keep the unity in the church and ultimately how we, how we um, uh, would not dishonor the Lord through our relationships. And, and here's the reason why. Because when we slander another brother, and he's talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord here. When we slander another brother and sister in the Lord, what, what we are doing literally is we're coming against that very person that Jesus died for. So we want to be careful here. And, and I believe this is one area that every single one of us in this room can work on. I believe if there's one area in living word that we are weak in, it's this area. I believe there's one area in the church that we're weak in, it's this area. We do a lot of good things, and I believe we, we serve the Lord and serve this community and reach out to the world with the, with, with the love of Christ. But I believe this is one area that we're weak in. This is one area that we can work on as a church. Can I get an amen? Okay, so let's look, at, let's look at this. How can we resolve? Well, let me give you three resolves. If you're taking notes, you got your notes there. I want you to write these down so you'll remember them, okay? Resolve number one, resolve in your heart not to entertain gossip from another person. Resolve in your heart right away. Say, you know what? I'm going to resolve in my heart not to entertain gossip from another person. Let, let, me, let me give you a practical thing here. Ready? This is how you do it. Don't even entertain it. When you begin to hear something about someone else, don't even entertain it. See, here's, here's the truth of the matter in this area. 
The truth of the matter is, we like to hear secrets about other people because we like it. Let's be honest. When someone comes up to you and they say, hey, I've got, I've got to tell you something because blah, 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 and we, we like to hear secrets about other people. Here's the reason why. Because we have power over someone else and to share that allows us to hear someone say, really? Boy, I know, come on, people. I'm right. I'm right there with. So when we say something against someone else, we've got that power over someone else because we got that little bit of information and we want someone else to say, really? Wow, I didn't know that. Listen, resolve in your heart to not entertain gossip from someone else. Because you know what I've learned over 24 years of pastoring? There's two sides to every story. There's two sides. And you hear one, and then you hear the other, and you're like, wow, I, I'm going to, what, this really makes sense. I'm just listening, really. And then, then I'll send the airport, well, let me tell you. And then you come over this side, and you're like, oh, really? They're really? 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 This person's over there. And, you're and you get in this middle, and you're like, I don't even know who to believe anymore because there's two sides. Resolve in your heart to say, you know what? If there's a disputable matter between two people, you hear something. We've got to do all we can to obey Scripture and say, let those two people work it out. And, and the way we, the way we, put out the wildfire from starting is that we say, you know what? I don't want it because the minute you tell me this, I'm going to prejudge this person and I don't want to do that. And I love you too much. And I love this other person too much to prejudge this person. So you know what? Biblically, you need to work that out with that other person. Or if there's some juicy thing, you say, you know what? I just don't want to know that because, you know, really it's just something that is going to cause my heart to prejudge that person. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because this may harm the fellowship within the body. So just resolve in your heart not to do that. Resolve number two. Resolve number two is resolve in your heart to guard your tongue at all cost. I will guard my tongue from character sabotage. Matthew 15 18 through 20, it says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. False witness, slander are with sexual immorality, adultery, murder, thoughts of evil. Same thing, same category. He's lumping them all together, right? These are what defiles a person. But to eat with washed on hands does not defile anyone. So Jesus is having an argument with the, the Pharisees saying, oh, your disciples, they don't wash their hands before they ate. Rah, 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 rah. Look what they're doing. Oh, they're defiled. They're just evil people because they didn't wash their hands. And then Jesus says, I'll tell you what makes a person evil. Here's what makes a person evil is what comes out of their heart, not whether or not they didn't wash their hands. Right? See, what comes out of the heart. And, and within that heart, he talks about slander and false witness against someone else. So why do I need to guard my heart? See, what comes out of it is a reflection of really what's going on inside of my heart. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you an exercise to do. When you are upset with someone, 
and you're angry and you want, you know, we, we love to get angry and we get angry at somebody, we want to have other people that agree with us, we can form a little camp so we can fuel our own fire because somebody hurt me or didn't do something that I like, whatever it may be. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, what comes out of your mouth and what you say about that person, I want you to write down on a piece of paper. Write down on a piece of paper what you said about that person, what you're, not to show it to somebody else, but to show it to yourself. For this reason, I want you to see what's coming out of your heart. And when you see it on paper and when you write it down, it might shock you. And it might shock you so much that it's going to keep you from saying that very thing to another person. See, I want you to get to the point to where it, it's, you're, you're, you're not just, see, listen, I, we all are opinionated. Gosh, are we opinionated, aren't we? We got opinions about everything, right? And for some reason, living in the North, we like to share our opinions. It was so different from the South. It was just funny. But North, there's this culture of everybody's got to share their opinions, right? Listen, what we need to do here is, is sometimes we need to write things down to see what's coming out of our hearts so that we can look at that sheet of paper and this will help us guard what we're saying. Because how many know, once that comes out and once that goes to another person, you can't take it back. All right? So if we, if we try this exercise and we just say, you know what, I'm upset here. This is what I said. Wow, I'm going to write this down. And then I can look at it and then I can judge my own words and God can guard my heart from saying this to someone else so they don't create disunity or slander against another brother or sister in the Lord. And you know what? Here's what's good. If you write that down and you saw what's coming out of your heart, you can take that piece of paper or you write it on your computer or whatever, put your hands on it and say, God, forgive me for this. This is wrong. I was wrong here. No matter how vindicated I felt about my feelings here, I was wrong for what I said here. Please forgive me. Forgive me for this. And then take that piece of paper, burn it, crumple it up, throw it in the garbage and say, thank you, God, for looking at my heart and forgiving me for these things that were in there. And watch God's forgiveness and his grace flow in your life. So ask forgiveness if you, if you need to. So resolve in your heart to guard your tongue at all costs. Number three, res here, here's where it's going to hit home. Are you ready? Here we go. This is, what we've, this is what I've done. This is what the staff has done here at the church. But this is, I think, is so important because if we don't do this, we're not going to formulate good relationships and good fellowship with one another that honors Christ. Number three, resolve. I will resolve not to send out negative emails, text, Facebooks, tweets, blogs, smoke signals, or carrier pigeons. Okay? I resolve in my heart not to send out negative emails, text, Facebook, tweet, blog, letters, smoke signals, care, however you do it. Resolve in your heart not to do it. Now you think, well, pastor, I don't, what, what do you mean by that? Resolve in your heart to meet with that person face to face. That was a great spot for an amen. Whether you liked it or not, say amen, okay? Amen, okay? Listen, I've, I, I heard of one soccer team that did this, and I thought it was a great idea. 
What they do is, if, if a parent has something negative or something they want to say about the game after it occurred, because sometimes they, maybe they didn't like the way the coaching was, they didn't like the way the game went, maybe they, their child didn't play enough, right? They, they didn't have enough time in the field, and their child is, is, is Mia Hamm, right? She's Ambi Wambuck. She's the next greatest thing coming down the road. She only played five minutes. What's her name? Played 10, and they're worse than my daughter. What's going on? What the soccer team has done is this. You need to wait 48 hours before you say anything to the coach. And what was interesting, they did a little research on it, what was interesting that the comments cut down almost 75%. Why? For this, yeah, it sounded like I was going, um, why? For this reason. When we have time to think about it over a couple days, it's not that it's it's not that big of a deal after a couple days because you think you're not because listen, when we're when we're when we're hot on the trail, right? When it's when our emotions get the best of us, right? And we don't step back and think about it, we end up blabbing things out of our mouth, right? I call it diarrhea of the mouth, right? We end up blabbing things out of our mouth, right? can't believe pastor just said that I did because I want to shock you a little bit. And we say things because out of our emotions, we're not thinking about what we're saying. And then we blast off that email. So when you write that email and it's all negative and you wait 48 hours, you step back and you read and you read, man, this is wrong. This is, this is just the wrong spirit. It's a critical spirit. This is wrong. So what I've resolved to do in my life, and we're working, we, the staff has done this too, is we resolve not to send out or respond to negative things. What we want to do is we want to meet with people face to face. Because what this does is, how many know that through an email or a blog, you don't know, you're not building a relationship with that person. You don't know, and a lot of people can be a lot tougher behind an email than when they are face to face. And what we're ultimately doing is we're saying, we care about that relationship more than just getting my point of view across. You can sit down, you begin to talk to that person. And what you're saying is, God, I care, listen, listen. God, I care enough about this relationship because this is a brother or sister in the Lord that you died for. And Jesus, you want me to do all I can to restore relationships so that ultimately Christ is glorified. And this is a point that we have just messed up royally in the church. That we hide behind our emails and our blogs and, also, and we never build these relationships that God desires us to build. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord and that's most important. Because we're supposed to love each other, right? And so when we do this, Christ is glorified. And I know it's hard, but Christ is glorified. You see, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, is when we use emails or social medias in this way. Because you can't tell what the other person is feeling, and you can tend to misunderstand what they meant, and then it's going back and forth, back and forth. You see, when we boil everything down, we boil it down to relationships. That Jesus Christ died for each and every one of us. 
and that we're to care for that more than anything else. So let's, let's resolve in our hearts to say, Lord, you know what? I may not agree. I may have a different opinion. This person may have hurt me, but I'm going to resolve my heart because, because restoring this relationship and reconciling this is, is, is allowing the gospel to be glorified in my life because what I'm doing is I'm doing exactly what you did for me, Jesus. That you reconciled me to God when we were enemies and you made peace between me and God, Jesus. And if, if I'm to be the person you call me to be, then I need to be that minister of reconciliation. I need to be that person that takes that step forward to say, you know what, this relationship means a lot to me. And, and there are going to be times where we're going to have to go to that relationship and we say, hey, hey, did, did I offend you? Did I, if, if I've done anything to offend you or say things that I ought not to, then, then I apologize. This is my part in this thing. And please um, forgive me. No, there are going to be times that, that we just disagree over, over peripheral things and secondary things. And, and it's okay to, to have uh, different opinions about things and the way things should be done. But if it's not a matter of sin, people, we need to be careful about how we share our opinions. And how we share our opinions with one another. Because we need to guard our hearts against any disunity that would want to creep itself into our body that would give the devil a foothold here. And I refuse to allow him to do that. Because something's bigger at stake here. And that's Jesus Christ reaching our community and our world with the gospel message of what he came to do and why he came to do it. And God uses us as people to do that. And so the way we get good practice at it is how we resolve our relationships with one another. Some of you here today, you need to let some things go in your families, in your relationships. Some of you have been holding on to stuff and there's so much bitterness that's tied into that that it's sucking the joy of Christ out of your relationship with Him. And Christ is saying, let it go. Offer forgiveness. Allow my joy and my peace to enter in your life again. Some people are just not happy unless they're unhappy, right? Boy, if that's the Christian walk, I'm going to stop. I quit. I'll put in my resignation papers today because that's not what Christ came to do. He came to bring life and life more abundantly. He wants to bring you life. He wants to bring life to your relationships again. That's what Christ came to be and came to do. So let's, let's resolve in our hearts. So listen, as we go to the table of the Lord today, listen. Um, Paul tells us when we come to the table of the Lord and we recognize what Christ has done for us, we recognize that the body, that the, the bread is the body of Christ that was given for us. The, the cup symbolizes the blood of Christ that was shed for us so that we could have that, that, that covenant relationship with God. And it's done through Christ's blood that he restores that relationship through himself. So it's only through Christ that we can have a relationship with God. But here's, what, here's what's interesting. Paul says, whenever you do this, examine your hearts so that you don't take the cup in an unworthy manner. So what I want us to do is we, 
come before the Lord and we take communion this morning. Let me just say communion is open to anyone who has received Christ as their Lord and Savior and you're part of the family of God. You don't have to be a member of our church. You have to be a member of God's family. You're more than welcome to take communion. We'll pray. And if you've never come to Christ and confessed Him as Lord and Savior, you can do that when we pray. And by all means, take communion. Enjoy the time together as we, as we, um, as we glorify Christ and what He's done for us. But here's the thing I want us to do this morning is that I want us to take a serious look at our heart, hearts this morning and say, God, is there any bitterness? Is there, is my tongue unguarded? Has my tongue been kind of a loose stallion a little bit? Have I let things fly out that I need to catch? I know it's like, I'm an emotional person. I got a quarter of Italian in me and that's all you need to be in trouble, okay? Just a quarter bit of Italian and it gets you into trouble. I, I know, I'm emotional. I tend to speak from my heart and I've got to really guard my heart. Some of you, you're just real mellow and you just, woo, you're just mellow fellow and you just let life go by and I hate you because you're just so mellow like that and you just don't let things get you. And, and my son Colby's like that. He's just like, whatever, Dad, you know, rock on, dude. It's just good. It's cool, Dad. Everything's good. And I'm like, how do you live without just, just, I love that, you know? So listen, where are you today? Is there relationships that need to be restored? Is there, is there something in my heart that I need to uh, reconcile? Have my words been very critical? Do I have a critical spirit, God? Have I allowed things to creep into my heart that's allowed me to become very bitter and critical? Lord, forgive me of that. Um, Lord, help me to restore relationships the correct way, face to face. Lord, have I, am I one of those blogging, email type people that, God, you need to watch my heart in those areas? Um, let's resolve to say, Jesus, I want you to be glorified, not only in my life, but in my relationship with others, because that's who you died for. You died for that brother and sister too, and you love them. And so, Lord, let me resolve in my heart to do all I can to not break up relationships, but restore them. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So, Lord, as we prepare ourselves to take communion today, we thank you for what these emblems represent. But, Lord, I pray today as we bow our hearts before you that, Lord, we look into our own lives. And, Lord, forgive me first for my loose lips and the time I spoke from my emotions and I've said things that, uh, that were wrong. And Lord, help us to guard our words carefully. Lord, that we would obey the scriptures that said that we would do everything that leads to mutual edification, that we would be tenderhearted and kind and full of grace with one another, protecting the unity of Christ within the body. Lord, we can work on this. Every single one of us can work on this. So Lord, forgive us. Lord, if there's bitterness or unresolved anger or unresolved bitterness in our heart that is still there that's robbing us from your joy. Lord, forgive us of that today and let us find Christ in our lives that we would be a people that would live out Jesus in our heart, that would that not only received God's grace and forgiveness through his son Jesus, but also would in turn give that to other people. May we just go, may we just go above and beyond, Lord. May we just be extravagant in our grace. Lord, may we, when people hurt us, may we just go above me and say, you know what? For the grace of God, I forgive you. God, let us go above and beyond. Let us be extravagant in protecting the unity of Christ within the church. 
So Lord, we thank you for the example that we have in Jesus today. That while we were still sinners, he still demonstrated his love for us and he died for us. Let that be our life verse as we deal with other people. So Lord, we just give you our hearts. We give you our soul today. And we thank you as we come together as the body of Christ that you would just bind us together, Lord, with cords that cannot easily be broken. And as we celebrate what Jesus did for us, may it be celebrated in the way we deal with each other. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your wonderful, beautiful sacrifice. And we just give you glory for it as we remember you now. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. The ushers are going to serve you at your seats. And uh, please, as the worship team leads us in songs to close the service, just wait until everyone's been served. We'll take communion together as a church body at the end. Um, and uh, God bless you as uh, you just worship Jesus this morning. Amen.
want you to bow your hearts with me today as uh, I just finish serving you this morning. You know, we have a wonderful Savior who did everything for us that, that we couldn't do for ourselves. And that's the wonderful thing about Jesus Christ, that, that, that he doesn't require us to offer the sacrifice. He became the sacrifice for us. He doesn't, he doesn't require us to, to, to try to fulfill all the commandments of God because he knew that we would end up instant failures. And that's why Jesus came. He came to be our Savior. Without a Savior, we can't be saved. We can't do it in our own strength. So as we come before the Lord today and we recognize what these emblems symbolize, we're recognizing that Jesus is only through your body that was physically given for us, for our sins. It's only through your blood, through your sacrifice that we can find forgiveness. It's only through these things that we could ever find grace and mercy. And when those things are applied to our heart, then then the outflow, the fruit of my life is the way I deal with other people and the way I treat other people. That same grace that was given to you is the same grace that we give to others. And that's what protects and keeps the unity of the body. And that's what Jesus' prayer was. Lord, Lord my, my prayer is that the world would know that they are my disciples by how they love one another. So the same love that was given us through Christ is the same love we give to each other. So Lord, we thank you for your body that was given for us. As we hold this bread in our hand, we, we recognize that it's only through your body that was given, that was crushed for us, for our iniquities. And that's seen through your work on the cross. That it was more than just a death. It was a death to our sins. It was a covering of our sin. So we thank you for your body. We believe that you are the bread of life that whoever comes to Christ hungers no more. And so we're thankful for your body this morning. As we take this bread together as a church, Lord, as a fellowship, bind us together, Lord, with cords that cannot easily be broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the bread together. And Lord, we thank you for this cup and what it symbolizes, your blood that was shed for us. We know that the word of God says that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. There had to be a sacrifice to appease the holiness of God. There had, there had to be a price, a penalty that had to be paid for our transgressions. In Jesus, you did it through your own life, through your own perfect life. That's why there's no more need for any other sacrifices because Jesus, you were perfect. So Lord, today, I pray that you would cover us cover every heart, cover every marriage, cover every relationship, God. Lord, as we ask for your forgiveness now, I pray, Lord, that the, that the outflowing of that would be how we forgive one another. So we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And we're remindful of the great sacrifice you did for us, Jesus. And for that, we want to serve you and we love you and thank you for the grace that you gave us when we least deserved it. So we're thankful. So, Lord, as we take this cup together as a church family, God, we're thankful for your forgiveness and the power to heal. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. 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 Listen, um, listen. If any of you need prayer uh, today, our prayer partners um, uh, 
we'll be here to pray with you for any needs that you might have, any health needs or physical needs or financial needs that you may have. Come up front and uh, our prayer team will be here and we'd love to, to pray for you. And um, why don't you guys hang out a little bit after the service and just uh, let's fellowship. Let's love on each other. Let's, uh, let's eat donuts and get fat and love on each other, okay? And uh, thank God for, for the body of Christ. So Lord, may we go in your presence and your grace and let us be the church in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day, amen.